From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. We are back with Marianne Bellazzini of Campo de Bella as we go further into the startups of an on-farm commercial kitchen, winery, restaurant, and more. It's all about relationships and getting to know the details level by level, from the township to county to state, and perhaps even federal if you're going to make wine. Marianne Bellazzini and her husband Mark run Campo de Bella, a farm-to-table restaurant and winery in Blue Mounds, Wisconsin, serving Italian-inspired dining experiences. Self-taught on the farming side, Marianne and her family moved from the Chicago scene and for several years ran a vegetable CSA, inspired by an abundant garden. Her Italian upbringing and love for creating welcoming settings around food inspired the current food service venture. Hello, welcome to our In Her Boots podcast, and we are back with Marianne Bellazzini at Campo de Bella Farm and Winery Cafe here there are so many, particularly women, I must say we drive this, Marianne, who have dreams of doing what you're doing here, of, I want people to come on my farm, and I want to serve them food, and, 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 and quickly, well, in reality, quickly those dreams need to get a reality check in that it's not that simple, right? Yes. I mean, when <laughs> one's talking about Production is one thing, right? but once you cook those tomatoes and put them on a plate and serve them with a fork, it's a whole other world of regulations and necessities and everything else, which, congratulations, you have navigated. (laughs) And I really say thank you because as, as you have been talking to us already, what you're doing is so out of the box here, but you have successfully navigated it so there's a pathway or at least there's some identifying rocks shall we say for other farmers to do this do you know because it's yes. so new exactly. that every time a farmer any anything that happens on a farm commercially anybody who successfully does that sets a precedent for other people and and i think too that's one of the things that's so wonderfully collaborative about our organic community too is we see it that way do you know what I mean and that's what I so admire you're always sharing your story because the more of these types of operations we have I'm biased you know with you particularly in Wisconsin (laughs) here in southern Wisconsin we're like the Napa Valley of farm to table (laughs) right people come and they try different places and they do all that as you reflect back on the process what piece of advice would you give somebody a woman farmer who has that that nugget, you know, like, oh, I'd yeah. love to do this someday and hasn't done anything yet. Yeah. Perhaps, I mean, it's farming, let's say, but... Uh, so I was blessed to have a great husband and partner who carries a lot of the... Um, he looks at things very differently than I look at things. And so, and to this day. And so we, he would check the dots, the uh, 
dot the I's and cross the T's on pretty much everything that was going on in the whole development of this. And he and I have constant, um, what my sister calls coffee talks. We sit down in the morning and just kind of get a general idea of how our day is going to look I like. I have those too. Our morning <laughs> meetings, sometimes yeah. they're long, sometimes yes. they're loud. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> exactly. And, um, and sometimes it's like beating a dead horse on a certain topic, but you, you just keep pushing the good fight and hope that somewhere along the line, the two of you can balance it out and figure out a happy position for both. But, um, I think, just getting to know your township rules and laws, first off, for whether the farm has to be rezoned. So this is the or super this, local this level. Is the this super is the super local the, level. The, yeah, you yep. want to go there. there. Do that. And then go to the county level because every county is different so as well. So one step up from yeah, the township. Is the and county. these might be so, called different things right. based on what you live, but there's exactly. something super local and then typically And then like county. on a regional or, or a... Um, county level, as we have here in the state of Wisconsin, um, know what their requirements are for the idea of whether it's going to be an Airbnb or whether it's going to be a restaurant or whether it's going to be a winery or a food service type uh, establishment on the property. Or everything so, like you. Or it could be everything. Exactly. And then, um, then you have to go to the state level and then you have to go to um, the federal level, depending on what you're offering. So to offer wine and spirits and, and I don't know all the logistics of spirits, so I won't get into that, but wine and beer, there are certain permits. It's still at the local level, but if you're going to sell anything on your property that way, the federal government's involved in that as well. So, so it really is there. There's a lot of loops, a lot of, um, I want to say balls in the air that you have to toss around and stuff. But once you get going and once you um, connect with the right people, those people are are there to help you. They're not there to hinder you. So the better the relationship you can have with them, the easier it will be down the road as well. And you can always call them and ask for advice or ask for support and see what they can do. That's super insightful because you're right. It is, in theory... agency person's job to help support businesses, but it's not always that simple, right? Especially if you're asking for something complicated. And and I always fall back on that too, because in general, agency employees get a bad rap, you know? I mean, oh, the health inspector is coming, oh, the evil, you know, person with the thermometer, but they're mission is to protect public health. Do you know what I mean? That's important to all of us. However, I'm sure you've seen a lot of personalities and flavors under that agency tree. Is there advice you'd give even for like those first phone calls or? So Mark handled most of those. So I don't know. um, And he has more of a determined, this is what we're doing and I'm not changing my path. Mm -hmm. So help me figure out how to do this path versus I'm more of, Oh, you think we should do it that way? Okay, let me think about that for a little bit. So, oh, about, yeah, it, I think you kind of, depending on which way you go at it, you're going to get a different response and stuff. But um, I think just being honest and open with what you want to do with that. I remember the first thing we did was we invited the entire town board out, oh. and we had a little bit of cheese before you before broke we ground. even broke ground. We just brought them out here. We sat at our picnic table in the front lawn, had a little bit of wine that we were making homemade for ourselves and um cheese and bread and we just said 
this is what we want to do. Do you, can you see it? How, can we do this? Do you think you could help us get this started? And they were all very supportive of it. And oh, but that's, no, that's, that's a really important piece of advice is to yeah. be transparent, but yeah. also just bring people together, do you know, and, yeah. and show on a small scale the atmosphere you want to do. Because it, it bottom line, too, drives down to economics. This is Absolutely. an economic driver for your township. You're bringing exactly. money. You're bringing people. Exactly. You're bringing gas purchases and other things along the way that, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's very interesting because, um, as you know, with town and city and county politics, all of that plays into that as well <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, if you are honest and open to what you want to do, and they're going to be honest and open with you on what they can help you with. And they've all been pretty good about it. Even when we've had little snafus where we're sitting in a meeting, we think we're going to walk into the meeting and they've asked us to be at the board meeting that night so that, that we can sign off on something we're going to do. And all of a sudden they found this little code that didn't <laughs> exist yesterday, but exists today because they needed to go to their, um, whatever the person is that oversees the legal side of things. And they outsource that because the town supervisors are your neighbors. They're your farmer friends. They're not legal eagles here. So they have to have those outsourced people to be able to make sure that they're true to the letter of the law as well. Well, then it throws a wrench in what you thought was going to be an easy peasy kind of yes decision. Oh, sure. <laughs> so talk us through what you have here. I mean, you, you built okay. this from the ground up. Yes. So we... It's all it's a commercial building. You don't yes. live here. Your no. farmhouse is your farmhouse. Yes, our farmhouse. So we didn't start with this intent. Our original intent was to use an existing building on the property. And we have a old foundation of an old milk house that that was initially our first goal. Um, so we set out to get the architect to do plans for it. Um, the architect that built us our residential home, we learned very quickly that it was too cost prohibitive to have a residential architect building a commercial building. And in general, the building that we were looking at doing was just such a wide scope that we wouldn't be able to f afford and support it. So then we thought, well, we'll remodel the farmhouse and add the winery onto the farmhouse. Where you live. Where, where we live. Which is a, which I mean, is, an older farmhouse. It's a hundred year old farmhouse. And we thought that would be great because I we came from a brand new home. It would be nice to have a nice updated home given that we have a hundred year old farmhouse and stuff. And um, we had all these big plans. We had the con... Uh, we had a couple of people bid on it to give us drawings and designs and their ideas. And then we realized that we're on a slope and there's ADA accessibility for your guests. And there's no, we would be spending tens of thousands of dollars to re-slope the land so that we would be ADA accessible. And so that was cost prohibitive. So we learned that very quickly. And so finally we took a piece of, the, took a look at the little pasture that was originally our CSA, original CSA gardens and where our cows were munching on at the time because we didn't know that we had a purpose for it. And we decided that we would build a brand new place. And one of the contractors that had bid out the farmhouse project, he was thinking outside the box the whole time. And we really liked that about him. He knew we didn't want to spend a whole lot of money, but we wanted to make a big, a good building that would be multi-purpose and that it would not deter from the farmland landscape. And he did it. He nailed it with no problem. And you have here 
Describe what's on the inside. Okay, so. so we what we have is we have a functioning winery with fermentation tanks in the kitchen, which if you talk to other winemakers, they will tell you, no, 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 that's not good to have the stove that close to the wine, to the fermentation tanks. Again, big learning curve. Big learning curve. Um, so our goal is down the road to build another building so we can put our fermentation tanks in a different place. But for the moment, we haven't had any issues with it. Um, it has led for us to be super careful about airborne bacteria. So when we're fermenting wine, we can't have a lot of bleachy stuff that are normal in commercial kitchens. So we don't have a uh, commercial dishwasher at this moment because you need chemicals for that. So we have a three, three sink hand washing station where we do all the dishes so that there are no chemicals. Um, our hope is to maybe buy a, a smaller dishwasher to help with getting through um, a, a farm to table dinner with 30 guests on a Saturday night um, and help the dishwasher a little bit. But so far we've been You're good. You're figuring the kitchen logistics. Yes. And speaking of kitchen logistics, if you, if you heard some music in the background, that was Mark pounding yeah. chocolate downstairs. Yes, chocolate bars. He's trying to, he's getting ready. He's making um, uh, the brownies for this weekend's Mexican Latin feast. And so he's Ooh. making Mexican brownies <laughs> as a taste tester tonight. So this <laughs> is a this is a working uh, kitchen oh, and a working podcast. So thank you for the authentic soundtrack. You're so welcome. All right. So um, we have a commercial kitchen and in lieu of a deep fryer or anything, we don't have those which are normal in commercial kitchens. So there was a little bit of uh, some finagling to make sure that we had the right equipment. Um, so it throws our inspectors off all the time because they're looking for that deep fryer and all the components that go with it. But we have a big old hood. We have a freezer that holds our meat and we have a freezer that holds our uh, vegetables and we have a refrigerator. We do not have deep store storage space. We have a CSA cooler. We've converted into a walk-in cooler. Um, but we, what we try to do is move the, uh, the product out, the produce and, or any ingredients out from one week into the next. So we're not carrying them over unless we, um, can and, and can, preserve them properly and stuff like that. True, true, true to garden it. to farm to table to. Absolutely. And we were very conscious about volume. We don't want to, uh, well, okay, let me preface that with a tiny little caveat. We're Italian Americans, so we're big on lots of food. So we really had to tone down our portion sizes in the last five years. And our staff has been very good about keeping us on track with that, um, that incentive because we will, make you roll out of here if we can (laughs) nobody's leaving hungry but yeah quality terrific great (laughs) thank you thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast i'm your host lisa kiverest with the moses in her boots project this episode's audio engineer was liam kiverest of techsocket.net the podcast was brought to you by the midwest organic and sustainable education service moses The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable, organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.